0: Welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. This morning, I have a, I've got a word for you. Uh, if we go back, when none of us were live back then, the 1st of January uh, 1901. Uh, the Australian Constitution came into effect. And as the uh, fathers of our federation were putting pen to paper to, la- to write uh, our constitution moving forward, is that they had this framework in mind, is that our constitution, our legal framework of our nation, would be built upon the truth of the Word of God, upon Christian foundations and Christian principles. Uh, One of the writers, Sir John Downer, had this to say as he put pen to paper. He said, the Commonwealth of Australia will be, from its first stage, a Christian Commonwealth. Uh, Sir Henry Parks, known as the father of the Federation, had these words to say. He said, we are preeminently a Christian people as our laws, our whole system of jurisprudence. That's become now my new favourite word, jurisprudence, like... I put it in every sentence now. Uh, Our Constitution, based upon and interwoven with our Christian belief, is that there was a truth that our fathers who penned the Constitution wanted to hold on to and that every law in our land would be based upon the truth that is found within the Word of God. Over the last 60 years in our nation is that we do a census every couple of years. You know that form on the other online where there's hundreds of questions, gather data for the government um, moving forward. And over the last 60 years, uh, as census uh, figures have been recorded, is that we've seen a great decline in the, the amount of people that identify as Christians within our nation. Is the last census in 2021 was the very first time since census had been done Where the majority of Australians no longer identified as Christians, we're no longer of the faith. In 1991, 74% of our nation said that they were of Christian faith or Christian background. 2011, it dropped down to 61%. 2016, 52%, and our last census, 2021, 44% of our nation identified as Christians and those that identify with no religion rose from 30.1% in 2016 to 38.9% in 2021. The title of my message this morning is, where did all the followers go? Where did all the followers go if we look back over the past 122 years of our nation is that we have seen a decline of, of within our nation of those that would hold on to the truth The word of God, we've seen this slippery slope really, even over the last 10 years, where we see the redefining of traditional morals and values that we once upheld when it comes to what is marriage. We now have reproductive justice laws where uh, state governments have introduced abortion laws across our nation. There's now a fight around the sanctity of life, the truth, the word of God when it comes to euthanasia and bills like that. What has happened? Over the past 122 years since our founding fathers of our federation put pen to paper. And so this morning, I want to address this thought. I want to address this question of where did all the followers go? And we're going to dive into a pastoral Scripture found in John chapter 6. We're going to read a few verses this morning. But I encourage you this week in your Bible reading, in your private time, would you go back and read John chapter 6, it's an amazing chapter within the Word of God. But we're going to read this morning. From verse 60, it says this On hearing it, many of his, of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, uh huh, and the flesh, it counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and they are full of life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve, And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. What a disturbing passage of Scripture. From <laughs> this day forward, many of his disciples left him. I, I wonder how Jesus felt in that moment. The background to this passage of Scripture here is that, uh, John chapter 6 starts out with a great multitude that's following Jesus. They follow him into a deserted place, into a, a wilderness area, and Jesus heals the sick. He preaches to them. He brings deliverance over their lives. At the end of the day, Jesus says to his disciples, let's feed them. The disciples are like, There's no, we can't feed them. That's impossible. Yet they, there was a little boy there with a, a lunch, a few loaves and some fish, and Jesus takes them in his hands and he blesses them. He he gives thanks to God. He multiplies them, and at the end uh, of that moment, is that every one of those bellies is filled? It, is that there was, the wider God says there was five thousand men plus women and children? Some commentators would say there was like twelve thousand on the hillside that day, and every one of them went home completely full, and there were basketfuls left over. Wow, what a miracle! The passage continues on says at the end of that, as the crowd then dissipated uh, there, the disciples jumped in a boat and they crossed the body of water and went to the city of Capernaum. As Jesus didn't jump in the boat with them, he decided, well, I'm going to meet you there, but I'm going to walk across this vast body of water. Uh, the, The crowd, they go to sleep that night. They get up the next morning asking this question, where has Jesus gone? They now hear that he's gone to Capernaum. And so they, John implies like that all 12,000 of them jump into boats and go to Capernaum to see Jesus again. And so as Jesus now looks out and sees these vast people that are coming off boats, he sort of recognizes, well, John, I saw your face yesterday. Good to see you again. Good to have you back. Like, came across all this way. Henry, Henry, I saw you yesterday. Colleen, great to see you. And as he recognizes his faces, he begins to preach again and to teach again, and to heal the sick again. And on this occasion, as he begins to teach the Word of God, he says some things that humanity just can't understand. He says some words like this. He says, I am the bread of life. And that human beings, if you want a relationship with me, you have to eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And now, we, we don't take that literally, but I do take it literally. We are designed to consume everything about the nature and the character and the Word of God. And as humanity heard this, like 12,000 in unison say to Jesus, no thanks. That's a hard word. We can't accept that word. You imagine 12,000 followers just saying goodbye. Goodbye. It's like maybe there's hundred and 200 people here this morning. It's like me preaching a message this morning and only 10 of you coming back next week. I'm sure Pastor Graham would be on the phone to me saying, what on earth did you say to them? Like, what did you say? How do you lose 12? How does Jesus, the one who's supposed to design to build the church, loses 12,000 followers in one moment over one revelation of who he is and one instruction to humanity to say, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, and 12,000 say, no thanks. My question to each of us this morning, have you ever been at that place where you've simply just wanted to say to Jesus, no thanks? To say this is the end of the journey. As we've seen in our stats this morning, many people have said that, saying simply to Jesus, no thanks. I know at times in my own life that I have been disappointed with God. There's moments where it's even though I've been angry with God, that he doesn't seem to have come through with, with the way that I thought he would come through in my life. And maybe some of you here this morning in that same place, or you know family members, you know friends that have simply said, no thanks, because God didn't come through in the way that you thought he would come through. And maybe you're here this morning, you're almost on that edge, you're holding on to a thread, thinking, is this worth it? Is this journey actually worth it? And this morning, I want to let you know, it is so, so worth it. It is so worth it. And I know I'm preaching to the converted this morning, because you're in the house of God. And so this is not, I'm not having a go at anyway. I'm encouraging you and saying thank you, thank you. Through all that life's thrown at you, you're hanging in there. You're holding on to hope. You're holding on to the foundation of truth that's in the Word of God. But I know there comes different times in our lives where we can say in our heart, this Christian thing, this is not working for me is I, I pray and I read my Bible every day. I, I come to church every week. I'm serving in the house of God. I, I'm even loving people I don't even like. I, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best here. I'm doing it all. But there comes the times in our lives where is this wall worth it? And this morning, yes, it is so, so worth it. But it is a, it is a wrestle. And so this morning, out of this passage of Scripture, I want to share a few thoughts, a few keys with you as to why humanity would walk away from Jesus. And I share these thoughts that maybe there's something going to take place in, the, in your future. You can grab a hold of some of these thoughts and say, you know what, no, no, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we, we are going to serve the Lord. I, I don't care what's going to come my way, but as for me, my house, I'm going to continue to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. My first thought is this, is that humanity can walk away from God because we actually miss the meaning and the message of why God is so good to us. And He is a good God. And I could go around here this morning, I could put a microphone in each of your hands, and each of you could tell something about the goodness of God in your life. Verse 25, it says this, and When they found Him on the other side of the lake, they asked Him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them, saying, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Is Jesus saying, You know what? I know exactly why you've come all this way. I know the reason why you're here. And the only reason why you've crossed that vast body of water is that you were hungry yesterday and you saw me do a great malt, a miracle that enabled each and every one of you to be filled, and now you've crossed over the waters, you're now in Capernaum for the same reason, is that you are hungry today, and you are desiring that I would do another miracle in your life, another miracle of provision in your life. He goes on and says, and Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be hungry thirsty. He's saying, you come across here for one reason. You want more bread, and you want some more fish. But this morning, that today, I want to reveal something different. Is yeah, I can meet your needs, but I want you to see me that I am the bread of life, and that you can consume of me. As we go through the book of John, there's something that happens on this, on a repeated pattern, is that Jesus attaches the revelation of who he is to the miracles and to the good that he does in our lives. Don't miss this. It's the reason why God does good in our lives and does a miracle in our lives is not just to get us through an earthly situation, but it's to reveal his full nature, his full identity, his full character for you and I. In John chapter 9, Jesus encounters a blind man It says he gets down on his knees, he spits in the dirt of the ground, he makes a bit of mud, he puts it on the man's eye. You imagine doing that today? Someone give that a go this week, see how it works out for you. Puts it in his eyes, says go wash in the pool, and he goes and washes in the pool as he comes out of the waters, he now can see. He was blind naturally, and now he can see. And Jesus then says to him and to the crowd that are there that day, he says these words, I am the light of the world. And so Jesus can bring healing back. He can bring sight to the blind, which is a great sign, a great wonder, a great miracle. But the greatest thing out of all of that is that now humanity can see that he is the light of the world. John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman at the well. She comes to draw water at an unusual time of day, at the midnight, at the midday hour. And they have this great conversation. Jesus helps her draw water from the well. And as they were having this conversation, he says, if you drink of this water, this natural water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I supply, you will never thirst again. And as she consumes that natural liquid, that she's going to thirst again, Jesus says to her these words, that I am living water. Is that Jesus does good in our lives. Yes, to get us through a situation, but the reason why he does good is that now he reveals his identity to us that he's living water. Further on, the book of John, Jesus' is a good friend, Lazarus, dies. He's in the tomb four days. Jesus rocks up on the scene. He cries out to Lazarus, saying, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man, wrapped in grave clothes, starts walking out of the tomb. What a miracle. But it's not just that Jesus can raise people from the dead. He then says to the crowd, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Don't miss the meaning and the reason why God does good in your life. And here he's saying, I can feed you and I fed you yesterday. But I want you to grab a hold of that I am the bread of life. Jesus does good in your life and my life so that we'd get a full revelation of who he actually is. That he is the light of the world and he is the bread of life and he is the door and he is the good shepherd. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is a resurrection and the life. That's the reason why. And if there's times where God doesn't come through in the ways that you thought he had come through, is a it's not about asking God for another sign. It's, no, it's grabbing a hold of his identity, knowing this is who you are. That when you and I are in dry times in life, when our, our spiritual lives are parched, is that we can draw upon that he is living water today. Is that when we're navigating through life and everything seems dim, everything seems dark around about us, I'm not afraid of the dark. No, I just got to grab a hold of the light of the world. When things are premature, you died in your life, hopes and dreams, visions, it's not about necessarily just continually to pray, God, would you, would you bring that thing back to life? No, I know that he is the resurrection and the life, and I can grab a hold of his identity in those places. It's that God does good in our lives so that the full revelation of who he is comes alive in our hearts. Jesus simply saying to the crowd, you know what, you don't need another sign. You just need a better memory. And as believers, as followers, as sons and daughters of God, uh, it's not just looking for another sign, it's just having a better memory. (laughs) If you look back to your yesterday, you'll see the faithfulness, the track record of God over every area of your heart, every area of your life. (laughs) I just got to think back to yesterday. I found his track record is perfect. Because he's perfect in all his ways. I've seen over the past 44 years, his history is too good. It's it's just too good. The way he's journeyed with me through the most challenging storms of life, the, the way that he's answered all of my prayers in all the right ways, his right ways, not necessarily my right ways. But his track record is too good. His history in your life is too good. See, if you're having trouble believing God on Wednesday. You just got to think back to last Tuesday when he was so good to you. And in six months' time, when you're going through a tough time, you just got to look back six months ago and see where God was so, so good to you. And in five years' time, where life may not be, you may not be in the position of life where you thought it was going to be and where was God in that, you just got to look back five years ago and see the faithfulness and the goodness of God over our life. I don't need another sign, I just need a better memory to grab onto his identity and believe that God could do what He's going to do today in my life that He did in the past of our lives. Proverbs 10 and 7 says this, The memory of the righteous is blessed. Your your memory is not cursed, it is blessed. The memory of the righteous is blessed. Psalm 77 verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. God, I just got to get a better memory because you have been so, so good to us. How how do I know that I can trust God? This is good. Because he's good. We can trust him today his character, he can't, he cannot lie. (laughs) He cannot sin. He cannot even break a promise. Wow. He cannot not be with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. You and I just need to be in that place of drawing near to him and he'll draw near to us. This morning, I want each of you to know that you can trust God, that he is fully trustworthy. He is fully reliable. He is on your side today. Don't miss the meaning and the message of why God is so, so good to each and every one of us. My second thought this morning is, why would people walk away from Jesus? I found that discipleship following Him is really hard. Anyone else agree? <laughs> no one. That's awesome. Let's go to point three. <laughs> I found it challenging. I don't know. Maybe you've just had all smooth sailing. God bless you. Maybe you can pray for me at the end of the message. or Maybe you all just want to be a little bit whole, more holy than the person next to you. Has anyone had a bit of trouble? You know, discipleship you found a bit difficult? I was a few more. Yeah, we've got 10 now. That's awesome. I'll preach to you guys. I found the entry into relationship with Jesus so easy. I was 15 years of age. My mum dragged us along. My whole family to a church. Christian Outreach Center Church at West End, I experienced a touch of heaven. I was healed that day. I gave my life to Jesus that day. It was easy. Entry in the kindergarten, it is so simple because we don't actually find him. He finds us, and we've just got to submit our lives to him. Now, entry in the kindergarten is so easy, but I found that after that moment, there were some challenges that came our way. As you find Jesus, you know, on the seashore one day calling out to some fishermen, follow me. And it says they immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. It's so like so many of our stories. Entry into relationship is so, so simple, so, so easy. He says to others, follow me and I'll make something of your life. We're all like, you're going to make, I'm in. If You're going to make something of my life. And then he finishes, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And we're all like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but entry into the kingdom of God is simple because he finds us and our hearts just need to soften to that call. And we enter into this dynamic relationship with God. But I have found the discipleship following Jesus at times is really challenging. It's really hard. I found it's not always a convenient walk. There are inconvenient seasons in all of our hearts and all of our lives. See, the crowd crossed this vast body of water early one morning because they have this mindset. It's not a bad mindset at all. They had this mindset that God was good to us yesterday And so, God's gonna be good to me today. Is that God blessed us yesterday? And so, God's gonna bless me today. Is that God met my needs yesterday? So, I am just assuming He's got more in store for me today. And yes, He does. That He, as Pastor Graham said, He blesses us and blesses us and blesses us. So, He meets our needs day after day after day. But there can be, we can also have this assumption that God's going to meet our needs and be good to us and bless us exactly when we need Him to bless us. We can have this assumption that God's just going to come through in the ways that we need Him and desire Him to come through. Is it every prayer you pray in the future, it's going to be answered with a resounding yes. You're never going to get a no, you're never going to get a wait. Every door and opportunity, that you want to walk into is just like, you know, Maxwell Smart, where the door's just automatically open as you're just walking towards them. We can have that view of life. And it's a great view that God, every day, is going to get better and better and better. But the Word of God says some things completely opposite. It says many are the afflictions of the righteous. I I can't cross it out. (laughs) Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Yeah, my kids, you're going to get persecuted. And so, in the in the midst of all the great things that God will do for us, there's also storms, storms and seasons of life that we're going to have to navigate, and put our trust and confidence in God as we are walking through. I've found that trouble and challenges in life they are inevitable. If you haven't had any in the past, just wait for the future. Hmm. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard word, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? And so I just considered that verse where it says that this is a hard teaching. I asked myself this question, what is this? What is this that their crowd is referring to, that 12,000 people are referring to? that this is a hard word, that Jesus declares that he's the bread of life, this is a hard word, is that they're literally saying that Jesus, the words that you speak to us, they are too hard to accept. 2,000 years on, we're living in a society that's no longer just saying that this is too hard. Society now says uh, that this is completely wrong, that there is no truth in the Word of God. It's not just a hard word. It's a divisive word. If you stand upon the Word of God, that you're actually a bigot. It's no longer just a hard word. It's a word that now humanity cries out saying, this is not the truth, that there is no such thing as absolute truth. There is no such thing as even a God. And statistics in our nation would say that we're on this decline where people are no longer holding true and standing upon the truth of the Word of God. Is the Word of God, it is not just hard right now, but society is crying out, if you believe in this book, is that you believe in division, you believe in separation, you don't believe in love, you don't believe in unity at all. There's an attack upon the Word of God, the reality of His truth, the reality of who he is and if there's one thing in this message I want to let you know is that this word it is without error and it is the truth of the word of God (laughs) is that we are living in a world today where we see the redefining as I said the opening of traditional morals and values biblical truths we see an identity struggle in our world taking place right now amongst our young people But this morning, I I want to stand upon the Word of God. Now being a dad and a a grandparent, is I've determined that I'm not going to shift my faith and my trust and my belief in the Word of God according to any decision my child's going to make or any decision my grandchild is going to make. I've seen too many people change from the truth of the Word of God. Now I've got to move from that belief because I now need to be accepting and embracing of the ones that I love in my own world. We are not designed to be child-led parents. I, I am not designed to be led, a grandparent led by my grandkids. So I, I'm designed to be led by the Word of God, to stay whole and true to the Word of God. And let me just clarify this. If you come across a young person that's struggling in their, with their identity and with their gender, uh, with their gender, is that this is not a war between flesh and blood. We're, we're not warring on a human level here. We're not designed to be holding pickets on a picket line. No, 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 we're designed to be a place of love. Is it a, if you find a 15-year-old lad or a girl that's struggling in that area, there is nothing but love flowing right there. But there is something happening behind her back that I'm now saying, young man, I love you completely, but I'm fighting on your behalf because there's a wrestle that's taking place in another dimension, on another playing field. And that's where you and I as believers, that's where we're designed to fight, not flesh and blood. Not, not against a flag, not against anything like that. We're fly, fighting in a whole different playing field for the weapons of our warfare, that they are not carnal, but they are mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. I'm not fighting here. I'm fighting the enemies and principalities and powers that have come to attack the minds of our young people today. Let love flow, but let's war in the right realm, in the right places. That every day of our lives, we should be warring in that zone. Not warring on the keyboard, not warring on Instagram posts, warring in another realm. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in those things, but man, if you're just involved there and you're not fighting where the fight really should be, we need to change some things in our lives. Because there is an attack that's taken place this is a hard word, society would say, and we're finding ourselves in exactly the same spot. This is a hard word. And as a believer, yeah, it's hard. I'm glad it's hard. I'm glad it is. I'm glad in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 it says this: for the word of God is living and it is powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Come on, so oh, don't even go there, my ears. That this this thing it it cuts us going in. It's cut all of us going in, and as it comes out, it cuts as well. It doesn't cut to bring pain. It cuts to bring freedom and deliverance. In John one, it says that Jesus came full of grace and He came full of truth. We've got to be full of grace and we've got to be full of truth. I can't just be full of truth. I can't be full of truth. I'm going to be full of grace and full of truth. And I can't be full of grace because then there won't be any truth. I've got to have grace and I've got to have the truth. And God, would you help us navigate that? Would you help us navigate that? Would you guide our feet? Would you guide our lips? Our thoughts that would be full of grace, that we'd be full of truth. Piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit of the joints. and ma- It's a separator, it's a divider. And a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Jeremiah 23, 29. It's not my word like a fire, says it. God knows it's a consuming fire. He, he knows it. And like a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces, I'm so glad it's been a rock in my life. That's just hitting over and over again, those unsubmitted, unrepented areas of my life. It, it breaks those hard areas into little pieces that we can come up with a, a plan, a strategy for God to work with God, to break them down even further. But I'm glad it's a hard work. You and I wouldn't be the people we are today without it being a hard work, without it being a fire, without it being living and without it being powerful. This morning, I, we have to accept it all. If I only want to accept parts of it, then none of it can be truth. And yeah, there may be questions you may have, and I pray you just keep going to God on it. Just keep going to God on it. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you into a place of truth. I'm running out of time. Here we go. The challenge here, as 12,000 people are hearing these words, as I look at the challenge now, they find themselves in this place where they're saying, you know, we're walking away. This is too hard. As we look at their hearts and their lives, it, the challenge that they were experiencing wasn't external. They didn't have the problem with the Roman government of the day right now. They didn't have a problem with rising interest rates and inflation and waiting lines in hospitals. It wasn't external to the government. It, it wasn't even a problem with the religious, religious rulers The problem wasn't even that they were were hungry. Their stomachs were empty. The the problems weren't external. Is that now the problem was so internal, the problem wasn't with anyone or with them. The problem was now with Jesus. They had no other problems elsewhere, but the problem became with Jesus. And as believers, there will come times in all of our lives where the problem will not be with anyone else, but the problem will have a problem with Jesus. I mean, didn't hear my wife four years ago as she was going through a cancer journey. As we're doing the work of the Lord in another nation and we lose everything financially. You've got, my problem's no longer with anyone else. My problem's now here with my best friend. That he didn't say he was going to, he didn't do what he said in his word he was going to do for me My problem is now there. I've heard it said this it's much easier for you and I to fight with the devil than to fight with God. Because at least when we're fighting with the devil, God's on our side. But who do we go to when our greatest wrestle right now is with Him? Uh And that would cause people to walk away from Jesus. I've had family members, I have had friends who have said, no thanks because you didn't come through in the way I thought you'd come through. This morning, I I choose to believe that he's perfect in all these ways. I choose to believe that he answers every one of my prayers exactly the way he desires and needs it to be done. And for us, as sons and daughters, we just just simply got to say, you're in control, Father. I found that discipleship is really, really hard. Verse sixty-six can't be good. John six sixty-six, like whoa, 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 whoa. It's not going to be a great verse, is it? Like John 6. 6, 6, 6. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. <laughs> Jesus says. Them. You don't want to leave too, Jesus asked the 12, and Simon Peter answered him, saying, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus literally saying to his disciples, is this the time? Is this the moment where we go our separate ways? Is this the time where you simply say, no thanks, and we go our ways? Peter responds so beautifully. <laughs> Where else are we going to go? I have nowhere else to turn because you are the one that hold the words of eternal life. This morning I pray that you and I would draw a line in the sand today and a year down the track and 10 years down the track where we go, it doesn't matter what life throws at me and it doesn't matter what's taking place in the world around about me. It doesn't matter the decisions my kids or grandkids are making for the future. Where else am I going to go? I may not understand everything, but where else am I going to go? Who else holds the words of eternal life? Who else will journey with me through every fire and every storm that we are designed to navigate through life? Who else is going to be there? Who's going to be my great provider? Who's going to show me the goodness day after day after day for you and I to draw a line in the sand and say, I'm not going anywhere else. Is that Peter is acknowledging here is that walking with God is not easy. But living without Him, it's impossible. It may be hard. It may be challenging. But as for me, my house, we're going to be serving the Lord. My final thought today is why would people walk away from Jesus? And as a society, is, this is our challenge in the days in which we live is we become consumed or too consumed with feeding our flesh. That the lure, the attraction of the world, the sparkle of our world, Gets our attention. I read a post just a couple of weeks ago that said this, is that as Australians, that we are, and Christian Australians, we're more concerned with our balance of our superannuation plan than our internal inheritance with God. Like, it was like a wake-up call for me. Like, your superannuation plan is probably, like mine, probably not doing the greatest over the last year or so. Like, but where's, where's my allegiance going to be? in that place. is that the attraction of the world gets to our attention. We start feeding, consuming the desires of our flesh. And there is a war that goes on in our hearts and our lives on a daily battle. The battle is this, between the flesh and the spirit. It's a real war. It's a war every one of us face. And we have to win that war. And we win that war in our private time with God. We win that war... On our knees, we win that war within the house of God as a community of believers together. If we have to win that fight. 1 John, in verse 2, it talks about this. It talks about what worldliness is and, the, and how you and I would actually fall in, in desiring the things of the flesh more than the things of the Spirit. John calls it worldliness. He it identifies three areas. He identifies the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We go back to the garden. The enemy comes to tempt Adam and Eve in the garden. He tempts them in those three areas of life. With the lust of the flesh that they now have a decision to make. Uh, Am I going to choose relationship with God or am I going to choose the things of the world? He tempts them with the lust of the, the eyes as it says that the fruit was desirable in their sight. And the pride of life, well, you can also be like God. Your eyes are going to be opened. They fell. And they're the three areas that you and I would fall in time and time again. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus has been in the wilderness fasting 40 days, 40 nights. At the end of this time, the enemy comes to tempt him in exactly the same three areas that he tempted Adam and Eve all those years ago. In the area of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. And Jesus gives you and I a key, the key, the only key to overcome in these three areas where we desire to feed the flesh more than the spirit is that on each occasion the enemy comes to tempt him, is that Jesus comes back with the Word of God. He says, It is written, and it is written, and it is written. And as 21st century believers, is we need to consume the Word of God. We need to get the truth of the Word of God in our lives. That when the enemy comes to tempt us, I'm not trying to look for a natural resource. I'm not looking you know, for the seven keys to get myself out of the situation. No, I'm grabbing a hold of the Word of God and coming back saying, it is written, and it is written, and it is written. I refuse to allow my, win, my flesh to win this war that's going on. I found this definition of worldliness and I'll finish on this. is a worldliness, it's a, a set of practices in a society, it's values and ways of looking at life that make sin look normal and righteousness look strange. That's the world we're living in right now. Where sin is applauded and sin looks absolutely normal. But if you uphold any righteous standard of the Word of God, you are strange, you are odd. And as believers, we need to flip this. We're going to flip this. We're going to flip it in our own hearts. I'm going to flip it in my own life. Where sin is completely strange in my life and the righteousness of God is completely normal. It's almost like every law that's being passed through governments across our world, the Western world right now, are doing this. They're making sin look normal and they're making righteousness look really, really strange. Is that there's a war going on. But would you and I determine in our hearts that we're going to lift up a righteous standard in our lives through our communities, through our families, and that sin in my household, it's going to look so, so strange is that's the war that's going on. The truth of the Word of God is being pulled down on a daily basis. And sin just seems to be getting exposed and exalted and lifted higher. You know what the good news is? The Word of God tells us exactly what's going on. <laughs> i read the end of the book. He wins and we win. And that's the good news. That's the good news. So, this morning, if you're hanging on like a thread, keep hanging on. Don't miss the reason why God is so good to you and has been so good to you. It's not just praying for another miracle, it's no saying, I'm going to have a hold of who you are today. If you're finding this journey tough, join the club. We're in it together. That's why discipleship is so crucial. Life groups are so crucial this time. Being in the house of God is so crucial. Because it's a journey this life presents, that we can journey with each other. And this morning, would you win the battle that takes place between your flesh and your spirit on a daily basis that we conquer in that area? Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Let us love us to lift our hands in this place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this house. I thank you for families. I thank you for individuals that have decided in their lives that they're going to follow you. And the journey some of them have been on, Father, I don't even know how they're still holding on, but Father, I thank you that they have held on to you and that you've navigated them through storms of life. And Father, where one's maybe looking at their current season, where they're situated, thinking, I, I can't do this for much longer. But Heavenly Father, I just pray that your great arms of love would come and wrap around about them. That, that your peace that surpasses all understanding would be their portion right now, Father. Where there may be fear and where there may be anxiety in their lives and their hearts, where there may be uncertainty, that right now, Father, I thank you, a God of freedom. You're a God of deliverance. You're a God who says if you set us free, that we're set free indeed. And I pray this morning, Father, is freedom in mindsets. Fear is being broken. Obstacles of giants are coming down today. Fortified walls in hearts and in minds are coming down through the power of God this morning. Breakthroughs taking place. Provisions flowing today. Father, you make a way where there seems to be no way, where things look impossible. You are God of possibility. And we put our trust, we put our hope, we put our faith, our confidence in your name. The name is above every other name today, Father. Peace of God. The presence of God. Power of God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are so good to us.